The Midweek Horror Podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction, and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at horrifiedmag. This is the Midweek Horror Podcast with Hannah Fox and Alice Reed. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the Midweek Horror Podcast. I'm Hannah Fox. And I'm Alice Reed. Was that a bit too jazzy? No, <laughs> I like excited. that. <laughs> we, we took a little break. It was a little longer than we anticipated because I think we just forgot we had a podcast over Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, sure, we've got a podcast. <laughs> I've <thought> about that. <laughs> but no, it's good to be back. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited that we're back and doing a podcast. As am I. Uh, because I, I love our little podcast. I love it. Me too. I've missed it, actually. Like, you know, we, we, we joke and say we forgot, but actually I was uh, I was thinking of it fondly and thinking I can't wait to start in the new year. So, yeah. It's just such a shame we can't we can't be in person doing it with the film watching it together i know because that was a big part of it with all the snacks our endless sacks of snacks and pepsi max god i'm a poet and i don't know it seriously (laughs) (laughs) calm down dr seuss (laughs) um yeah on the pizza i've not i've not had a Papa John's, I don't think, since the last time I watched a film with you. God, I think me and Em had one, um, but it wasn't the same. No. It wasn't the same. We, we couldn't no. replicate it. Um, the other reason I'm really excited is because we've got a brilliant film to talk about. Mmm, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you said that because I feel very much the same about this one. Maybe showing my hand a bit early, but um, no, really enjoyed this. So this was uh, Saint Maud, which is, I think it's fair to say, the most critically acclaimed British horror film to come out in a long time. Yeah. Written and directed by Rose Glass, and it stars Morvith Clark as Maud, and Jennifer Ely as uh, Amanda, mm. a retired dancer who's living by the sea, and she's dying. I, don't, I can't remember if it ever says what she's dying of, but I just assumed it was cancer. It says she's got a lymphoma. I don't know if they go into specifics, but it's some kind of cancer, yeah. Maud is her carer, and it's clear from the outset that Maud is a very devout Christian who believes she has a very vivid and real relationship with God, and she becomes obsessed with saving Amanda's soul. And I think that's a a pretty fair, spoiler-free synopsis of the film. Yeah, absolutely. um, I think that's a really good little spoiler-free intro. By the way, did you notice I had to go at pronouncing Morvith properly? I was very impressed, actually, because I had no idea. (laughs) I was going to say something Welsh, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I thought, I better Google that. You know, I don't want to... Mm. 
I don't want to disrespect the performance by mangling a name. No, and we don't want to put off our Welsh followers either, you know. No, no, yeah. <laughs> and I found a website that was about how to pronounce words, and it had an entry for it. So I clicked on the entry, and it just said, Morphid. Oh. And I thought, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just guess. You can't set yourself up as a website telling people, oh, yeah, I'll tell you how to pronounce it. G- give it here, I'll sound it out. Looks like morphid, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll do. <laughs> Love uh, it. So what did you think? I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I What I what I liked about it, um, spoiler free, was that it was, I thought, um, very original it wasn't, it is sort of um, some, that sort of film I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything quite like it in a, in a while. And it was the kind of film I enjoy because you're not really sure what's going to happen mm. and what's going on. And there were some, yeah, fair, I think a fair few sort of twists and turns throughout. I also like the fact that it sort of seemed like in the beginning, it was almost like it was in another time. And actually, it was quite interesting when she's in her sort of little very basic nurse outfit. And when she walked, the first time she sort of walked past um, the kind of the sea, the seafront prom, past the arcades, I was like, oh, yeah, it's modern day. Um, but mm. because of how they presented Maud, it was almost like we were looking at, you know, kind of going back back in time a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit more to say about that in the spoiler section, actually. Um, But yeah, I totally agree. I thought that was really interesting, the way they did that. I found the central performance, I found the character of Maud very sad and very affecting. Yes. There's one particular scene uh, where she sat in a toilet in a bar, which I just found devastatingly sad. Mm. Just her delivery of it and the acting. You know, that sort of... uh, Drunk phone call. Oh, God, yeah. The desperation. Yeah, yeah, really, really sad. I think it was it was that thing where it was like someone really not having a friend in the world. Um, and I don't think it's spoilers to say that so much so that she's calling someone who she barely knows to, to you know, keep her company. Yeah, yeah. And even that person isn't available to her and... Yeah, you just, I mean, I found, I found I had extreme empathy for her. Yeah. You know, whatever she was doing, however bad things got, I always felt sorry for her the whole way through and like I wanted to help her out somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it was one of those horror films where my main emotional engagement with the film uh, wasn't horror. It was just sadness on behalf of somebody else. I mean, there were certainly scary bits, but my my overwhelming um, my overwhelming emotion was just feeling bad for the character of Maud. It was very very sad. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I thought the film, the way it was shot, I thought there was some really clever, memorable scenes and um, stuff like. There's a, a scene where Maud is drunkenly walking home. And she's sort of swaying on her feet as she walks down. She walks through a tunnel under a bridge or something. Mm. And they've shot it at a 90 degrees angle. 
And it's really disorientating, but it, it isn't pretentious. It's just a really effective visual representation of what it's like, you know, when, when you're absolutely hammered walking home, <laughs> yeah. trying to keep up right. Yeah, that's true. And there's qu- quite a few moments like that, you know, um, just really, really clever ways of showing things that I, I found really... Oh, there's a scene with fireworks as well, which is just beautiful. Oh, I love that. That was absolutely stunning. Yeah. yeah. We we can maybe talk about that more in spoilers, that one. Definitely. I mean, it was shot beautifully. There's some fantastic imagery. I mean, the obvious one is the religious imagery throughout, and there's so much of that. I mean, the way they dress her, uh, some some points she's dressed like a saint, um, some point she's sort of dressed like Jesus um, when she sort of wraps the, the almost like the bed sheet around her and has the crucifix on. Um, and there's a lot of things sort of relating to like, uh, there's a part, and I don't think this is really a really spoiler to say, she's sort of self-harming um, a few times and it's almost, you know, sort of quite, um, it's like stigmata, um, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, you know, when she's uh, pushing the nails into her feet and there was, a, there was yeah, a, yeah. another bit which um, I think she had sort of blood trickling down her head, which really made me think of sort of Jesus and the crown of thorns. Oh, I don't remember that. I hope I haven't just made that up. I was just like, there was definite a, a definite bit which did make me think of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt you. I'm not, uh, I'm not making an accusation. No, no. I'll, um, yeah, I was, I was trying to remember which bit it was in, but, but anyway, yeah, lots of like really nicely shot uh, religious imagery. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jennifer really was really good as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, she was great. Very much like got into that role as the kind of spoilt celebrity and now it's almost gone a little bit wrong. And again, she's a very sad character as well. Very sad character, you know, having to sort of almost pay people or, you know, entice them to spend time with her, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, she does sort of seem to have a lot of friends, but you do feel like, you know... She she is a lonely character. Yeah, probably quite superficial friendships. Yes, yeah. Well, her sort of like love interest, she's, you know, like paying to sleep with her, which is just, you know, quite sad in itself. Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, this was the first thing I've seen Jennifer Ely in since Pride and Prejudice in the 90s. Yeah, same, actually. Yeah, it's um, been a long time. And I didn't know whether that was because I just hadn't seen her in anything or she hasn't been in anything for a while. I don't know, actually, but it was really weird hearing hearing her with her native accent because, of course, in Pride and Prejudice, she's playing British. Very British, yeah. She's she's Elizabeth Bennet, isn't she? Yes, she is, yeah. The star opposite uh, Colin Firth. Mr Darcy. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Firth, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my word. Now she's done loads of stuff. She's been working continually. Has she? Yeah, yeah. God, how come we've missed her? What have we been doing? She was in Contagion, Zero Dark Thirty, the Robocop oh. remake, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Was she? Wait, woo. The cheeky thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Fifty Shades Freed, so it was a, a recurring character. Oh, she. they liked her so much they brought her back, yeah. Hmm. So I, I guess it. I guess it's just our paths haven't crossed since Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. But yeah, I know. I thought she did a really good performance as well. 
yeah no she she was she was fantastic i mean all, all the cast were, were very good i think um i think the friend of maud's i mean the kind of i say friend it was more of like a colleague of maud's um was very believable mm. kind of they had the sort of like awkward friendship and she's trying her best to be a good friend to her but she you know the way because of the way that Maud is that's quite difficult for her yeah absolutely Maud, Maud's gone way beyond yeah she, she's trying to help but she can't do a lot for her yeah yeah and uh Joy her name is isn't it Joy that's it yeah she's at the level of help where it's sort of like awkwardly going around and saying oh well you know good to see you and you know Maud needs a professional intervention really Joy is, yeah. <laughs> Joy's not gonna cut it um okay, I yeah think, that's true i think we should go to spoilers so we can go nuts and really talk about all the stuff we loved i would like to as well definitely because there's so there's so much to get into with this one um and there's also another character i would like to discuss that we can't really discuss now so yeah let's do it Ooh. Oh, Ooh, yeah. i can't wait to see who that is at first surprise should we give it, <laughs> we give it a star rating <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to give it five stars. I mean, it's a stone cold five for me. I loved it. So I would say, no, screw it. I'm the same. I was trying to be different there, but no, I, I love it as well. I, I think initially, actually, when I first watched it, I was a bit like, uh, maybe four and a half because, you know, I think there were, there were bits they could have delved into more. But actually, on reflection, I think it's it's you know it's a it's a really nice little film as it is. I don't think it needs more. Funnily enough, my my only real criticism it now normally I like my favourite length for a horror film is eighty minutes. Mm. And yeah. a, actually, when I'm looking for films on IMDb, I look at the runtime, and like I happily sit through a three-hour Lord of the Rings. But if it's a horror film and I see even an hour and three quarters, I normally think, oh. Do I want to invest that much time? But this is the one case where I would have just liked more of it. I would have liked it to be longer. Yeah. I would have liked to see just more, more of the same. That was the same with me. That was my only criticism and why I would have maybe slightly knocked it down. But on reflection, I don't think that's fair because you can't say, I won't give this five stars because I enjoyed it that much. I wanted more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I I think her relationship with Amanda was so interesting and i loved that and how how they went back and forth and i think i could have done with more of that a bit more evolution there would have been lovely that that's exactly it actually if i would have made it longer that's where all the extra material would have gone all right so it's uh five stars from the midweek horror podcast before we go to the jingle i've missed the jingle you know i, oh, I know me too all, all our various jingles i'm gonna have fun editing them into this uh podcast before we go to the jingle, what I will say to anyone listening, so sometimes I like listen to a podcast with spoilers for a film I've not seen because I, I'm just quite interested to hear about the film and I think that well, I might not even see the film. But in this case, if you haven't seen St. Maud, I think it would be a real shame to spoil it for yourself. So go watch it and come back. Go watch it. It's worth yeah. it. It's, you know, it won't be a waste of your 80 minutes. Absolutely not, no. And then you can... Uh, Follow us to the other side of the jingle.
So, the character I wanted to bring up was, of course, Katie. Yeah. Because what I loved about this film, more than Katie, although one person, to me, was such separate characters. I, I loved that. Yeah. I, that was one of the best bits in the film for me when she stopped being Maud and got a bit disillusioned um, with religion and had that night out being being Katie. She'd gone back to being Katie. So yeah, just to, love that. Yeah. So what I wanted to say before, but I held it back for this section, is when you said that when you first meet Maud, it almost feels like um, a period piece. Yeah. Because she's sort of like this funny, fussy, very religious, conservative person. Like an older lady almost. Yeah, yeah, old before a time. Yeah. And um, this is like a sort of persona she's created around her. Yeah. So what we learn is that she used to be a nurse and she was a bit of a good time girl. You know, she liked to go out and go clubbing and stuff. And then there was some terrible, some terrible accident at work, which led to her having a bit of a breakdown. And she discovered God, became a born again Christian and invented this persona of Maud for herself. And it's not until she bumps into Joy who calls her Katie. And then, like you say, later on, she gets briefly disillusioned with religion and reverts to being Katie, that we realise just how much Maud is a, you know, a fabrication. It's a creation. It's, it's like her idea of what a devout Christian should be like. Yes. Like what she's seen on the on the TV or whatever, you know, she's... Yeah, yeah she's following that it's it's not something that's evolved slowly she it wasn't something she's learned from being young it's it's the way that she feels she should be so she's being yeah very very strict on herself yeah yeah to the point where it's not modern is it the way the way that she's living um it's all very basic like i mentioned earlier the kind of self self abuse um it it yeah very much feels like a another time or as if she were a nun or something you know yeah yeah so that was so I, I love that contrast yeah absolutely and um when when katie is on the night out and again oh su such a sad you know few scenes when she's in that pub nursing her pint trying to get people to like her you know trying to kind of um get in with the group of laughing friends at the table and you know sort of yeah. doing these sexual favors for guys to try and be liked but she doesn't she, her heart's not in it at all yeah yeah. Um, you just feel like so sad for her because as maud or as katie she's not happy yeah yeah in either role really yeah but i just loved how she was so different that that was you know i thought was brilliant yeah yeah no, I love that as well. So the reason, um, obviously the reason she's become disillusioned with God, who she talks to in her head every day and sometimes out loud, is because she's actually been sacked from being Amanda's carer. And she has a crisis of faith, which leads to her getting drunk and going out on the pole. And when she gets home, this is the fireworks scene, when she gets home, mm. she ha she pukes. And then has a sort of fit. Now, she she has fits throughout the film. I don't know whether they're, you know, psychologically induced or whether she has an actual epileptic condition. But she has her most dramatic fit of the film. And she's lying on her back with a back arch and she rises into the air, doesn't she? And yeah, it's all done it's in slow motion. Scene. 
and there's fireworks outside. And that is an that is an absolutely stunning scene. Stunning. They did that so well. Beautifully shot. I was just going to say, I might as well quickly list them now, actually. My favourite visuals, because mm. we've done two of them. We've done the sideways tunnel. Yeah. We've done the floating up into the air with fireworks. Two of the visuals I really, really liked. One was just the bubbling lava tomato soup at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the reason I really liked that was because it just looked so weird and so lurid mm. that I sort of thought, oh, this is going to be quite cool, actually. There's going to be some interesting visuals in this film. But another one I loved was towards the end. So obviously she goes back and ends up killing Amanda. Mm. When she's leaving the house, the camera pans up and reveals the moon just looking almost terrifyingly big in the sky. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that bit, yeah. And it's just so eerie and not quite right. I thought that was, again, a really clever way of um, mm. just emphasising that the world that Maud's moving in isn't quite the real world. She's off in her own little world. Isn't quite right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I wonder how they did that, actually. I wonder if they sort of composited it on a computer or if they just filmed her from miles away on like a tele-zoom lens. I reckon that was done on computer because it was massive, wasn't it? But I, I don't know. Um, but it had a very, um, yeah, it was a very beautiful effect. It was quite, quite weird. Yeah, yeah. I also like the, um, I mean, it's an obvious one, but when she's on the beach and she sets herself alight, the, um, again, the contrast of being, she's imagining herself, there's this sort of angel descending into heaven with all these followers bowing before her and then you get this one really quick shot of her actually on fire screaming, and the contrast yeah. of that is great yeah screaming yeah it's almost like heaven and yeah, hell yeah. you know kind of combining yeah love that shot so that of course is the end after after she's killed um amanda she gets her stuff together and she dresses herself up like a saint and she thinks she's got wings you know you see you see her looking around at her golden wings and then she goes onto the beach and she mm. douses herself in. I forget what it is, is it? A... Petrol or something? It's not petrol, is it peroxide? Is peroxide flammable? Oh, might be it, peroxide. It's summer and then she sets fire to herself. And like you say, she in her head she looks up and she can see like a vortex in the clouds that she's going to rise through. It's a very, very sad ending. Yeah. But then... It's a very, very sad tale, isn't it? Her whole life seems to be sad. Yeah. And I think this descent into this sort of mental breakdown, um, you know, it just seems to sort of like get worse and worse. And although, yes, it's a very sad ending, it's almost like, well, it makes sense because that's almost like what you feel like the whole film's going yeah. towards. It's not going to get better for her. You never get a sense it's going to get better for her. And I think once Amanda is killed... You just know it's gonna, she's not going to have a happy ending, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's interesting that you mentioned the fits and talking about the mental breakdown and the hallucinations and things. I did wonder whether, you know, obviously we've got Amanda being ill with some sort of cancer. I wondered whether, you know, Maud also is actually quite ill with something, you know, like a brain tumour or there's something very wrong with her yeah, because yeah. it the fits don't seem quite right. And obviously she kind of talks about these feelings she's having and they're so powerful. 
very physical. And it's like, yeah, is she actually just very, well, she's obviously mentally unwell, but is she also actually very physically unwell and just not aware of it? Yeah. So interesting. Well, funnily enough, (laughs) I was about to say, before you said it was interesting that I mentioned the fits, I was going to say it was interesting that you mentioned her killing Amanda. And I think think they make a very... It's because we're both so interesting, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, we're both (laughs) totally interested in each other. Something that I thought made a very interesting contrast in terms of the approach to horror. So for almost the total runtime of the film, the horror is more the kind of unsettling, mounting feeling of an ease, just there's something like... And, and her fits, to me, are kind of creepy, but it's not like, um, you know, there's that scene where she's walking up the stairs... And you can tell she's about to have one of her fits because she almost looks a bit sort of orgasmic. Mm. But every time she has one, she sort of arches her neck and just opens her mouth really, really wide in a way that's just, yeah, visually quite unsettling. Like, she just opens her mouth a bit wider than is normal. Yeah. <laughs> even when you're opening your mouth. Yes. And that's um, that's definitely creepy. And that, for me, set my expectations of the horror. Ah, that's interesting. I thought it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bit unsettling and make you feel a little, ooh, that's that's a bit weird. And then so the scene where she kills Amanda was so unexpected, I absolutely shat my pants. (laughs) 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 I mean, obviously, it's it's all in Maud's head. But when um, there's that jump scare where Amanda turns into a demon... After the established tone of the film, that to me was so unexpected. It really made me jump. It was a very fast scene as well, wasn't it? You went from this quite slow pace to this very kind of quite rapid scene. Yeah, like out out of context, that could have been in any sort of Hollywood religious horror film. It could have been in, um, you know, it could have been in the next Conjuring film. Mm. But what made it so effective, I think, was... Prior to that, the horror had been based more around just worrying what somebody was going to do and feeling uncomfortable about their clearly not right behaviour. I wasn't expecting a demon to show up. You know, even even a hallucinated demon. No, even at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that it, that was really good. It was very um very different to the to the rest of the film. Um, which was nice. Like you say, it was unexpected. Did it make you jump? I don't know if it made me jump, but it certainly made me go, oh, like I wasn't expecting that. Like you said, I didn't expect it to become a demon. In fact, I think when I started watching the film, I was expecting it to be a bit more like misery or something like that. Mm. So she's, I think with the whole taking care of this woman and their relationship, and I thought, oh, is she going to go a bit dark on her and, you know, do things to her or something but um no very you know it did keep you guessing the whole way through so you you know i like supernatural horror mm. so to me the fact that so i think it's quite unambiguous maud is crazy yeah uh, well i shouldn't say that maud is mentally ill she's mentally ill yeah or ill in some way yeah yeah. yeah like the supernatural stuff isn't real it's all in her head but even so i i watched it and enjoyed it as a a supernatural horror just because of the the mood and the visuals it's got that feeling it feels like a supernatural horror even though you know it's all in Maud's head yeah yeah 
I think I, I didn't think that, but I now you've said it, I do get where you're coming from, especially with the bits, like you said, um, with Amanda becoming the demon. And there's, I think the hallucinations, actually, you know, things like the big beat, watching the beetle walking across, and it's just all a bit kind of creepy and eerie. And yeah, then yeah. you have these scenes of quite bizarre imagery. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you like supernatural horror films, you will probably love the tone and the mood of this, even though it's not, yeah. on paper, yeah. it's not a supernatural horror film. No, no, I totally get that. I think it, it's the sort of film actually quite a lot of people would enjoy because it it doesn't necessarily fit into just one category. You know, you could also say it's a more of like a sort of suspense thriller or something than yeah. a horror even. I mean, yeah, it could fit into sort of a few different boxes, I think. I think. Oh, it's, it's easier when you don't like a film because then you can take the piss out of it. You can take the piss out of it all night. Oh, I know. That's, that's true, actually, because usually we, we don't hold back on that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's, there's not really a lot to say on the other side. And I think, like I said, the only thing I really thought was that I felt like we could have done with a bit more exploration, but, I mean... I, I guess before she gets sacked, mm. that whole phase where her and Amanda are getting on, that could have been longer. Oh, yeah. It felt like we yeah. sort of montaged our way through that quite quickly, and then she was um, falling out with her. Yeah, because they started to have this really quite sweet little relationship, like... Um, when they were praying together and Amanda's giving it lip service, but she quite likes that she's got this nice little girl as a bit of company. Yeah. yeah. And they're sort of being quite good for each other. But that wasn't, there wasn't very much of that. It was all quite quick. And then the lover, I think her name is Carol or Caroline, she comes back in and sort of spoils that a bit. Um, cause she tells her what, she tells Amanda that Maud has tried to put her off. And that sort of sours that somewhat. And then, of course, we had the party where they make fun of Maud and it goes downhill. But I agree with you. I think there definitely could have been more of that really sweet relationship between the two of them. Um, Just to kind of... Then I think it would have been all the more sort of distressing and maybe he had even more punch when it all kind of goes wrong. Yeah. You know. I, I actually think Amanda was really surprisingly forgiving of Maud at a couple of points. Mm. So first of all, Maud, uh, because she's saving her soul, her lover, Carol, who she's paying, um, she basically tries to warn her off and she says, you know, you're bad. You're bad for Amanda. She doesn't need you now. You know, she's got to focus on God or whatever. Mm. And Carol phones Amanda and tells, tells her this has happened. Amanda then has the party where she invites Carol and makes a point of saying in earshot of Maud, do you know she tried to scare Carol off? I don't know if she's a bigot or jealous. And then they have a little a little conversation. And then um, Amanda's like going, oh, don't listen to me, darling. You know, don't pay any attention to what I say. She sort of like tries to make friends with her again. Yeah. And I think that that is astonishingly generous of character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Considering, true. you know, she, she, she did try to end your relationship behind your back. <laughs> and then, um, 
And then she says something which Maud doesn't like, so Maud slaps her and mm. gives her a bloody nose. <laughs> so next, Amanda doesn't involve the police. She just sacks, She just gets the sacked, but she doesn't press charges. Then at the end of the film, when Maud lets herself into Amanda's house, Amanda's all like, oh, Maud, I'm so sorry, I was unkind to you. I know, she's like, <laughs> no worries, babe, it's fine, you know, come on. It's, yeah, yeah, it was quite, that's true, actually. She was quite forgiving. Rather than get out of my house. Yeah, you sort of think Amanda's a bit of a bitch in places, but actually, Maud is very interfering, and it's not her place as a carer yeah. to do all those things. Um, but actually, you reminded me when you said about her um, confronting Carol. That, I think, is the first time we really glimpse Katie when she says Katie, something. yes. Yeah, when she says, I don't care if you had an eight-inch cock or whatever. And you're like, oh, I didn't expect that to come out of Maud's mouth. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I think they, they have that confrontation scene. It's worse than that. Scene. It's yeah. worse than that. I think she made it ten inches. <laughs> See, did she? Did I... <laughs> I think she Did said. Did I undersell it? I, I would have to rewatch it. <laughs> I think she said, "I don't care if you've got a ten-inch cock, but you're right. That is a little flash of the Katie character that was her past self that she's tried to erase by changing her name." Yeah, you're quite right. You're exactly right. That's the that's the first glimpse we see that there's more to Maud than she's putting out on the surface. Yeah, because I remember going, "Oh, okay," you know, like. Mm feisty you are <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that that was interesting so <laughs> yeah so many little nice bits yeah another thing i i had a, a quick look through a couple of articles on this um after i watched it just because i was interested and i found it really interesting that a few quite a few um writers have compared it to taxi driver as well so, sort of citing taxi, taxi driver. driver well as the way that so I think the sort of being able to be like objective, one character being objective and subjective, I think the way that, and I think in this, it's because she is almost like two characters. So she can almost like look at her two lives while being these two characters, if that makes sense. That probably doesn't at all. But um, I thought that was quite interesting that quite a few articles have said that was a, a big influence taxi driver or they suspect how fun do you know i've never seen taxi driver oh it's good that's a that is a, a good film worth a watch that's the robert de niro one isn't it is it? yeah um quite quite a few years old now but um yeah i think if you watched it you'd see what i'm trying to say actually and i because i i would huh. never have thought of that until i read it and i thought oh i can sort of see see what why they th why they've gone for that? I guess so. Is there something about how Robert De Niro's character is just completely at the bottom? You know, he's isolated. Yeah, it's a very he's got lonely. Nowhere to turn. Yeah, it's um, and it's almost like these people aren't necessarily good, but again, it's the empathy thing. You feel empathy for them because they're a little bit lost, a little yeah. bit kind of clueless. Complete another bit of a non sequitur, Ooh. but talking about um, Katie versus Maud, <laughs> something that I thought afterwards, if uh, if you were one of the guys she'd had a dalliance with on that <laughs> night, yeah, oh yeah, like say say the guy the guy she tugged off by the fire exit, <laughs> yeah. 
how bad would you feel <laughs> when you found out what had happened later? Oh, shit, like, yeah. Hey, hey, mate, you you know that girl who wanked you off the other night? Yeah. Killed she herself. She set herself on fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Well, <laughs> I don't know. You might feel worse if you were the other guy that, that she... Um, that she was shagging because you might think god was i that bad i mean you know there's no need for that is there really? <laughs> oh do you know i'd forgot about that scene because he was horrible to her as well yeah he was he was a dick i was well the other guy was a dick as well i was remembering this film as a film with a lot of sort of eerie build-up mm. like the weird fits she was having and stuff and then one really solid terrifying scare at the end but actually the scene where she's on top of him and she has a flashback to um defibrillators oh yeah crushing into his ribcage yeah that that was another pretty terrifying bit as well because again it was so unexpected i feel like i need to watch it again actually like because i think those bits that i not missed but um i've forgotten already and yeah it's a good bit Another random fact, actually, which I was like, huh. Ooh, let's have it. It was um, filmed in Scarborough, you know, so uh, <laughs> one of the more... Oh, it... Well, some people say the Vegas of the UK, so, you know, exciting, <laughs> exciting location there. It's, um, it feels like Scarborough, It does feel it? like Scarborough, yeah, it really does. I wasn't surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do um, the Rotten Tomatoes game? We've not been able to do oh, that for yeah, ages. Oh, we haven't. Oh, let me find it. You know, I still don't know how it works, really, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Just so I can uh, talk about the tomatometer, which we all know is my favourite thing to do oh, in these the podcasts. the tomatometer. I've missed the tomatometer. Now, okay, so I haven't looked, but I've got it up. Um, got it up ready. So, are we going for... Who who should guess first? Tell you what, you go first. 96%. Is this on the... Just the tomatometer? The tomatometer. Your tomatometer. Okay, 96. <laughs> I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go... I think it'll be high. I'm going to go 94, just because there's always some people who don't like this sort of thing. <laughs> oh, wow. It's... What is it? It's anyone's game. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Drum roll, please. 91%. Yeah. 91%? Yeah. Oh. Well, at least it was in the 90s. It was in the 90s. I think, well, I thought it deserved more. Well, I can't wait to hear a negative review. Oh, you know, I love a negative review. Yeah, yeah. My favourite things. Right, oh, a splodge. Got a splodge up already. Yeah, let's start with a splodge. This is from a top critic. So this is Richard Brody from The New Yorker. And Richard says, In providing the jolts that Maud's terrifying actions and fantasies provide, rather than the taut and complex web of life that they wrench apart, the movie suggests less interest in Maud than the images of Maud, which as a result feel nearly empty. Sounds very pretentious, to be honest. And I, it wasn't really the... The review I was after. Yeah, that's not really resonating no, with me. No, I'm a bit like, hang on, what did I just read? Do you know what I mean? Right, let's find another one. 
the better better splodge. I mean, I think the hollowness of the Maud character is a really interesting, like we've talked yeah. about that really interesting aspect of the film. It's like a facade that she's put up to try and erase the real her and distance herself from uh, her past, I think. Mm. Yeah, take that, New Yorker. (laughs) Okay, what else we got? Let's have another splodge. Oh, hang on. What lets St. Maud down most is its screenplay more than its own buzz. Good as Clark is, her performance can't make up for Maud's one-dimensionality in the absence of a proper arc. Again, I, I, I that was Andy Crump from <laughs> from Paste magazine. I mean, I don't know <laughs> whether this is tooth or wallpaper or crab. I mean, I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just just generic paste. Generic paste. I mean, I think they love so all pastes what, what, in this magazine. What were the options you provided? <laughs> tooth or wallpaper? Or what crab. was the other one? <laughs> Yeah, crab. <laughs> I was going to say tuna, may- tuna mayonnaise paste. <laughs> love a bit of crab I paste. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had that in a while. <laughs> uh, maybe we should subscribe to the magazine. Maybe we should. Yeah, we're going to have to have a look into that. Uh, we've got... Uh... <laughs> Do you reckon the magazine is like... The, the, the review of the film was just a complete aside. It was... Um, this week we tried Shippum's new formulation of, um, of beef paste. Before I tell you about that, I saw a film the other day. <laughs> All right, here's one. Okay, Nate Adams from The Only Critic. Well, you're not, are you, love? So fine, but okay. You can imagine how surprised I was that Rose Glass... St. Maud was another lagging horror exercise that sense of dread plays out for 84 gruelling minutes with minimal payoff. Wow. But he did mention the 84 minutes, so clearly he... uh... Does he realise that Rose Glass is not St. Maud? I know, I was thinking that. I was (laughs) (laughs) Because... (laughs) Was he he trying to to refer to... Well, I can't say it. You you say it. More, more... Morwen. What's her name? Mor- <laughs> it's not Morwen. Morveth. Morveth. <laughs> Although, I, I'm not saying it very well, to be honest. It sounds quite harsh when I say it, but it's actually quite a soft. Um, ba- basically, I found her say, saying it, because after I saw the website, it was like, oh, don't worry, mate, just say Morfid. You'll be fine. After I, after I w- moved away from that dubious website, I looked on YouTube. And she'd done a video talking about Welsh slang, and she introduced herself by name at the start of that. So I've tried uh, to copy that as well as I can. Well, I, I think you do a stellar job on it. I really do. Um, also, I said that <laughs> wrong. So sorry, Nate. Yes, you. He said Rose Glass is Saint Maud. So it was it was my bad eyesight. Um, he but, said yeah. Rose Glass is St. Moore. No, 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 no. So, you can imagine <laughs> that, how surprised... That's what I... we're accusing him of. <laughs> right, Why are you me... apologising? <laughs> let me break it down. You can imagine how surprised I was that Rose Glass is her St. Maud. So, like, if we were saying... That's not proper grammar. <laughs> like, if you were saying... Uh, you can imagine how surprised I was is that Rose Glass is... And I can't say... <laughs> Hang on, let me try again. Oh. Rose glasses, it's tube apostrophe of crab yes. paste. You know, like it's, yeah, it's apostrophe you know, yes. yes. 
That would have been way easier apostrophe if I just S. said apostrophe S rather than, well, the yeah. rambling that ensued. Um, yeah, so there, there, there are a few bad ones, but they're not exactly awful compared to some we've read in the past. Is, is there one more splodge? There's a few, actually. I mean, uh, I don't know how anyone who likes films wouldn't like this film. No, because I think even if it isn't quite up your street, I think you can appreciate the story, the visual effects, the characters. I, I yeah, I, I do wonder. What, what's the critics' consensus? Oh, you got another splodge. Well, I've got you? one more. again. It's not awful. Um, this is from eFilmCritic.com. Peter Subshinsky. Probably got that wrong. Sorry, Peter. Um, the problem is that while Rose glasses <laughs> glasses apostrophe <laughs> don't, don't start <laughs> the problem is that while Rose glass is Saint Maud. <laughs> well, in this in this sentence, Rose Rose glass is screenplay. Does a good job. Of <laughs> The problem is that while Rose Glass's screenplay does a good job of introducing and establishing its provocative premise over the first 20 minutes or so, it doesn't have much of a clear idea of where to go from that point. Again, though, it's not like they're saying it's shit. It's just, you know, didn't love it as much as some people. Right, let's see the critics' consensus. Do Do you reckon Rose Glass is a real optimist with a name like that? Oh, I was going to say, do you think it's her real name? Because I wondered whether that's a stage name. Is her middle name tinted? (laughs) I really hope so. (laughs) Critics' consensus. A brilliantly unsettling blend of body horror and psychological thriller, St Maud marks an impressive debut for writer-director Rose Glass. Yeah, fully agree. Yeah. No, I like that. Thought it was a superb film. What are the um, what are the user reviews? Mm. I bet the audience score will be about eighty three percent. No, actually, a lot less. Really? Yeah, sixty four percent. Nonsense! Absolute nonsense. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought that might get a bit of a cult sort of following as such, but you know what I mean. Um, so James S says. Worst film I've ever seen. No storyline. An embarrassing filmmaker's indulgence of nothingness. Right, okay. What nonsense. I know. Like, obviously, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. We'll read a good one, shall we? Yeah, definitely. This is from Nicholas D. St. Maud is an absolute masterpiece. Rose Glass did an excellent job with this movie. The script is well written. It was very disturbing. The camera work and cinematography were excellent. The cast did a phenomenal job, especially Morfid Clark. The ending will also shock you. I didn't expect it. Yeah, the ending certainly shocked me. He ca- he carries on. Also, this is my favourite horror film, a must-watch. And for the ones who give wow. it 0.5 stars, you don't understand what horror is. If you like horror movies where a lot of things happen, please watch Evil Dead. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, normally I, normally I do like horror films and indeed films in general, and actually just things in general, yeah. where a lot of things happen. <laughs> I mean, normally too. that is... I wouldn't say I came away from St Maud feeling like enough things hadn't happened. 
Yes, I mean... Stuff was stuff going happens. on. <laughs> People die, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got a sex scene, it's got a murder scene, you know, it's, it's got a lot going on. Yeah, fight, yeah. fight scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's got the, the whole... Oh, shebang. It's even got a bit of black humour, actually. We didn't... It not does, black humour, even actually. just a bit of humour. Um, some of Maud's internal monologues were really quite funny. Yeah. It definitely had a bit of cute charm to it as well, um, you know, with the relationship between Maud and Amanda... That was kind of quite yeah. quite sweet and funny. Yeah. I mean, I say funny. I wasn't guffawing. I mean, no, <laughs> I, but let's not over-egg it. But you know, it was uh, yeah. It, it it was it was sweet. Oh, I don't know. Some people are never happy, are they? No, I know. No, yeah, I think five star. You know, I think I've been waiting for that film for so long to see it because um, there was that brief window where it was on at the cinema. And I didn't get to see it, you know, before we all got locked down again. No, yeah, same. And C- Cine World shuttered itself. And um, I've been waiting for it for so long. I was almost a little bit fatalistic about it, thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bit disappointing just because I've wanted to see it for so long. Yeah. But it really wasn't at all. No. I just loved it. I loved it from the moment that scary soup bubbled into view oh yeah you were loving that soup yeah i just thought actually maybe it was because i was hungry when i was watching it i needed a pizza (laughs) that's what it is (laughs) give papa john's yeah maybe maybe it was bubbling pizza sauce (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i'm getting hungry now (laughs) oh have you seen any other horror films lately we were going to start doing that section at the beginning, weren't we? We were. No, do you know, I, I started, and this was over Christmas, watching quite a few of the um, Hammer Horror TV shows. Because do you remember we were going to pick one or a yeah. few and do oh, that, so which we haven't got round to yet. Are you doing Hammer House of Horror? Well, was that so, the TV show? Yeah, Hammer House of Horror. But then I'd also done, I'd also have watched some of the Hammer Horror, although I've lost track of it as to where I am. There's definitely, I haven't definitely watched, definitely haven't watched all of them on BritBox. Um, but so yeah, a few of those. Other than that, I don't know if I have. How about you? Um, I watched a really good short horror film by um, Lucy Rose. Mm. It's only fifteen minutes long, but it's a, a really beautifully made short horror that has you know it just has the feel of a classic ghost story it's got elements of the woman in black in there oh cool really good so that's something uh i was watching to review for horrified magazine and uh, i've done a q a with her as well so that'll be turning up on the website Brilliant. Um, yeah i really enjoyed that actually what's it called short sorry? short horrors it's called oh god yeah <laughs> Yeah, it helps if I say the name. It's called She Lives Alone. <laughs> ah, sounds good. Yeah, uh, but the main character in that, a little bit of synchronicity, the main character in that is called Maud. Ah. So I think Maud is quite a, an auspicious name. And also there was a Maud in the, the Worst Witch, and that was very good as well. So it's obviously a lucky name. Maud Moonshine. So she, well, do you know something? She was Maud Moonshine in the TV show. Oh, was she not? She's Maud Spellbody. In the book. What? Maud I never Spellbody. knew that. Yeah, Spellbody. Yeah. Well, there you go. You learn something in, new every day. In the film with Feruza Bolt, mm. they called her Maud Warlock. Oh, 
God, I wonder why they changed it up so much. Do you know how I know this? I went online no, to find tell. some facts about St. Maud that we could put in the show. <laughs> I just went down a rabbit hole on The Worst Witch. I don't know why. Yeah. I was just like, oh, what was Maud's name in The Worst Witch? And it was like the internet went, well, <laughs> there's well, a story. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> I used to love The Worst Witch. Right, well, I think I think clearly we've run out of things to say about St. Maud. <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. I think we have. But yeah, solid film. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, brilliant. Well, what are we going to watch next time, Han? Oh, God, Jerry, I haven't even thought. Um, I mean, we could do a, a, a Hammer Horror, but I, I mean, like, clearly I keep dropping the ball with this because I haven't found one for us to watch. Maybe we need to um, have a think. Unless you've got anything that you're really keen to watch. I don't, but, you know, it's a while since we've done, like, a popular contemporary Hollywood horror. That's true, actually. Because we started off we started off doing quite a few of them, and then we've sort mm. of um, gone down this delightful rabbit hole of older More and obscure ones. British films, yeah. I'm actually seeing what is the most popular horror film? Of all time. Yeah. Might be The Exorcist. Oh, that's true. Okay, so I've got best horror films of all time on this this list here. Exorcist is the first picture in it, obviously. But we've seen that one. Uh, Friday the 13th, seen that. Saw, seen that. The Orphanage, I've never heard of that, have you? Okay, I'd be up for watching The Orphanage. If it's that highly regarded, neither of us have, has ever seen it. To be fair, it's seven, I mean, it is number 75 on the list. Maybe I should go the other way. Okay, so <laughs> number one. <laughs> you started at the bottom of the list. <laughs> Well, it was the bottom was on the top. That's what threw me. See, they should have started it's do, with it's one. Doing but a they countdown. started with seventy-five. You, I know. You, you know, like those programs you get on Channel Four sometimes, which is like oh, the hundred like the greatest year, toys, the hundred greatest yeah. films. Or, yeah, the hundred greatest biscuits at number hundred. It's a custard chrome. <laughs> so, <laughs> can you imagine if they started with the best one and then the rest of the show was just diminishing <laughs> just returns? Down. True. You make you make a good point. Um, okay, so number one is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I assume you've seen. So have I. I haven't actually, but I'm not sure I fancy it. Have you not? You should watch it at some point. So this this is actually what I meant before when I said I love supernatural horror. Ah, uh, okay. Like so, even when the supernatural isn't real, I like it when mm. it's got a bit of a supernatural theme. Whereas I don't think the t- Texas Got Chainsaw you. Massacre will do. No, it doesn't really. All right, what's next? Okay, so we've got that, then Exorcist, which we've seen. Uh, number three is Psycho. Again, a great film, but I assume we've both seen that. Do you know what? I haven't seen it either. But again, same. Have you not? I mean, oh, that's a great film. I'll have to watch it one day. I'll have to watch it. I don't mind re-watching it because I haven't seen it in years and it is a great film. So that might be one for, for the list. I'm trying to find some more supernatural ones. Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Have you seen those? Don't think I have, you know. Evil Dead, I've se- I have seen Evil Dead, but years ago. And that is really weird and certainly not, well, certainly quite supernatural. So that might be a good one. 
So I think Evil Dead 2 was basically a remake of the first Evil Dead. You know, the same stuff happens. So we might be better off starting with Evil Dead 2. It might be better, I think. Fancy doing Evil Dead 2? Let's do it. Brilliant. Well, I really enjoyed that, Anne. So thanks for coming online. No, thank you. And good to be back together again, even though it's virtually, but, you know, in some form. Yeah. And we'll see you all in a couple of weeks with our thoughts on Evil Dead 2. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Tune in next time for more Midweek Horror. Don't get scared now. 